Welcome to another ATP Tennis Radio podcast special. This week we're focusing on the doubles game as the Emirates ATP doubles race to London hots up. And over the course of the next 30 minutes or so, we'll hear from those who've secured their place, the leading contenders and the teams hoping to break into the mix. Every match on the tour now is um, very tough. We had, yeah, we had some years where we'd beat a lot of guys 0-1, 1-1. Uh, seems like those days are over. You see more doubles guys in the gym now than the singles guys. And 10 years ago, you didn't see that. And I think uh, the players have realized in order to be a good doubles player, first you have to be a good tennis player. A lot of competition now, steep competition. Even uh, younger guys also, you get like the Venuses, Pavic, uh, Mektic, uh, a lot more younger guys that are coming in. This is going to be not easy. Uh, many good quality teams. Would love to be playing there in London. Uh, that's kind of a goal of Ryan and I's after uh, winning French Open. So... Uh, yeah, we've got a little bit of work to do to try and secure that spot, but, uh, you know, hopefully we're able to do that. You're listening to ATP Tennis Radio on TuneIn and iTunes. Cuba and Mello, the victorious here in Miami. Five, They're six, a red-hot pair right now. Lucas Cuba and his partner are outstanding. They have been for some time. One team have dominated the world of doubles this season. Lukas Kubot and Marcelo Melo began their first full campaign as a pair at the start of 2017. Three months in and their styles were complementing each other perfectly. We know each other a long time, so we decided uh, to try this year. Uh, I think we complete each other very much. Uh, the things I don't do pretty well, he can do it in opposite sides and everything. So this, I think, is really important to make a really good team. They've had a great year, Kubot Mello. They were a, a new team at the end of last year. They played a couple of events, a couple of the 500 events in the previous year. But actually, they were relatively raw as a team. Marcelo is, uh, is tall, quick at the net. His strength is, you know, volley, reflex volleys, and uh, he's playing a very, uh, very solid game on the, on the high level. I'm trying to, to build the game from the back of the court, you know, trying to hold surf and we are working on some patterns that are working at the moment well and we still know we have to still improve a lot of things. Big game from Kubot, a lot of uh, power of the returns, uh, some big serving. Melo is an all-around player, he's a big guy but he doesn't necessarily have the big power but he makes a lot of balls, he makes you play uh, every time on, on big points. They're a tough team, uh, you know, Lucas is a, a big hitter with, uh, with great returns and uh, he is imposing because he's always putting pressure on your serve and, and uh, Marcel is all over the net, uh, he's got a tremendous wingspan up there and, uh, and very good reflexes at the net and uh, so they make a, a very good, uh, good team together. After ATP World Tour Masters 1000 titles on the hard courts in Miami and then the clay of Madrid, Kubot and Melo eyed the grass court swing with relish. What followed was incredible. 14 straight wins brought titles in Sotogenbosch, Halle, and peaked with their maiden Grand Slam at Wimbledon. 
through playing the matches we were building the, the confidence and the way we wanted to play on the on the grass and uh, in the end the uh, payoff so we came with full confidence at Wimbledon and we were fighting you know through from beginning till the end we had a lot of matches uh, five setters which also you know give us the, the confidence through so I think that was the key. Winners on the big stage. Kubot and Melo have major targets for the rest of the year. Maintaining their world number one status and glory at the NITO ATP finals in November are high on the list. They're on it every single week and their consistency has been frightening actually from winning big tournaments to Grand Slams to, to other major ATP events as well. So they deserve a lot of the credit and they are rightly at the top of the rankings because they're the team to beat. For sure everybody is looking at us, you know, now we are in the role of the favourites of, of this year but we just need to keep uh, our bodies in, in shape and uh, try to get the, you know, try to get out of the court and get the, the best out of it. I will be so happy to finish as, uh, as a team as a number one. I think we really deserve this year, have been playing amazing season. I hope to continue the same way, uh, to finish like this and to achieve one more uh, goal for me. At the end of the year, it's always, you know, the, the best eight teams. So, you know, coming up and all the small details, you know, are the difference in the end of the, of the day. So at this moment already we qualify, we're looking forward, but what uh, would be great, you know, to, to end it up uh, in the O2 Arena, you know, with the successful week. ATP World Tour Uncovered's Gabriel Clark getting the thoughts of Lucas Kubot and Marcelo Melo, along with Daniel Nestor and the former doubles player and now ATP player liaison officer Ross Hutchins. Now, one of the surprise packages of 2017 has been the Grand Slam doubles winning partnership of the American Ryan Harrison and his good friend and partner from New Zealand, Michael Venus, who's been speaking to ATP tennis radio reporter Matt Brown. Would love to be playing there in London. Uh, that's kind of a goal Ryan and I after uh, winning French Open. So, uh, yeah, we've got a little bit of work to do to try and secure that spot. But, uh, you know, hopefully we're able to do that. Take yourself back to um, late April, uh, early early May, when you teamed up with Ryan Harrison. Uh, you'd played the early part of the year with the Swedish player Robert Lindstedt. Uh, didn't probably achieve the results that you had hoped, so you teamed up with a good mate from your college days. You've known him a long time, and we're only going to play the clay court swing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I started the year with uh, with Robert, um, who I get on well with, and unfortunately, we just didn't quite get the results on court. So, um, yeah, we we end up switching. And Ryan, um, being a close friend, he said he would uh, he'd help me out until I kind of found a, a steady partner, and uh, and would play through the clay court with me. So it kind of gave me a bit of time to kind of um, see what's going on out there and, and try and find someone. Uh, yeah, I'm following on our. From that, we we had some good success and uh, and decided you know we'd try and uh, we'd play out the year and, and hopefully uh, make the World Tour finals. And not only good success, but incredible success because of course you uh, won I think your a title uh, was at Estoril uh, together and then went on to Roland Garros and had just a dream run, winning a lot of very tight matches. Tell us about that uh, two week campaign. It was tough. I think we. First team to win every match in three sets and, and win the title. So, uh, you know, every match was a bit of a dogfight and, um, you know, lucky to come through on some of them, but managed to find uh, find a way in some of those big points. And, uh, and I think that kind of helped us uh, later into the second week uh, have the confidence because we'd been in that uh, in those tight positions early on and in a lot of matches. So, uh, so we had that belief that we'd come through some of those matches and that just kind of rolled on and, uh, and we, we played some good tennis. Teaming up with Ryan Harrison, who you've known for a long, long time, pretty much since you were a junior. 
Yeah, so I met Ryan's family when uh, I think I was 17, so 12 years, almost 13 years ago. Uh, Ryan was uh, 12, I guess. Um, yeah, and so uh, for a couple of years there, we practiced together every day. Um, and his dad's helped me helped me out throughout my whole career uh, coaching and then also been on the court a lot with his brother. So uh know their family very well. Um, I always stay with them when I'm in Florida, which has been quite a lot over the last 10 years or so. So I've become very close to them and um, and they're like a second family to me and help have helped me a lot. So, uh, you know, to be able to share, you know, the experience I have with Ryan and his family, it's it's been awesome. We know each other so well. So, uh, you know, some of those um, those occasions where maybe one of us is might be struggling uh, or not feeling quite as good, the other one can kind of pick up on it, um, you know, early on just from maybe some body language or, or how, how the other one's talking. And we kind of know what the other one likes to hear on court also. So we can kind of help each other out in that regards, which I think has helped in, in some of those matches and, and kind of get over the hump of, you know, not maybe not feeling quite quite as good, but finding a way in those matches and, and keep improving. So, uh, I think that's that's one of the major things is to help us, and also we get on so well that you know on court it's uh, you know we know how to keep it light and keep the other one relaxed. It still hasn't really sunk in, has it? You've come home to New Zealand for a very short break before uh, going up to Asia to play tournaments in Chengdu, uh, Tokyo, and of course the uh, the Rolex Shanghai Masters. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, it's a, it's a long year, so really excited to have been able to get home for a week or so uh, and see family and, and some friends that I haven't seen for months and that. So it's been a nice little break, a refresher, and, and looking forward to trying to finish the year strong and uh, and see how we do. And just finally, what would it mean to you to qualify for the O2 Arena, the NITO ATP World Tour Finals, the eight-team format, two groups of four, the round robin in front of a capacity crowd as the, the supporters really get out in London to play the likes of Continent and Piers, the Bryan brothers, uh, Mellow and Kubot, etc. Yeah, exactly. I've watched it on TV the last number of years and that, and the atmosphere, um, it all looks unbelievable there. So, uh, you know, I've always wanted to play. So to be in the opportunity where potentially can play there is really exciting. So, you know, I uh, just got to focus on these upcoming tournaments and, and hopefully we can kind of secure our place. This is ATP Tennis Radio. The most recent Grand Slam doubles champions are Horia Takao and Jean-Julien Roger, who beat the defending champions on the way to their second Grand Slam title, but first at Flushing Meadows. It's amazing, you know, we, we love that feeling. Uh, that's what we play for, for those big Grand Slam, those big matches, those big moments, and it's just so rewarding to uh, to get another one and uh, fulfilling it was good it starts with uh, every day in practice of course little things having the right attitude in practice it's difficult sometimes even uh, when stuff is not going uh, going well but we're quite professional about it and we go about it the right way and little by little once we, we get on a bit of a roll we we can you know we can pull this thing off they joined forces at the start of 2014 the duo are now one of the longest standing partnerships on the atp world tour and have developed a genuine bond it helped us sticking together through those tough times. You know, I, I know I have next to me uh, a friend that's uh, trying the hard the hardest that he can to win every time we step on the court and every time we practice. And uh, you know, in, the, in those tough moments that you face in big matches, in especially in Grand Slams, I know I have uh, someone next to me that I can rely on. It makes these moments a lot nicer when you when you tough it out and. Uh... 
you know, not, not look away or, or run from the problem right away. So we've had our fair share of uh, discussions and tough moments and stuff. It's a big lesson for us, you know, that we can do it, uh, that we stuck together. And maybe other teams should do that. Even if they have a rough time, they should stick together and find a way to make that partnership work. Yeah, we've been there uh, side by side and happy to have this title with him. This year, for the first time as a team, Roger and Takao decided to play an event the week before Flushing Meadows. A victory at the Winston-Salem Open proved integral to their success in the Big Apple. Started with the decision to play in Winston-Salem before here, which was a great week uh, in general, but uh, obviously we won some matches there, got some confidence. We managed to find a good rhythm there, good practice. We managed to play the way we wanted to play and execute, and we carried that into the Open. You know, we were just trying to keep that going for one more day and one more match, and that's how we, we got to the final. And we're going to enjoy this one, appreciate it. A lot of force after, after Wimbledon. We know how difficult it is to, to get to win these things. So uh, yeah, it's going to be a nice uh, couple of days and uh, we're going to enjoy it. The goal is to enjoy this the last three weeks as much as we can because uh, those moments are rare. We're going to cherish this moment for the rest of our lives and it's good to remember the celebration as, as well. You know, now we have the luxury of uh, choosing the tournaments that we want to play for the rest of the season. There's still uh, tournaments that we would like to, to win. If we can talk about that yet and we're just going to enjoy the moment for Talking now. Talking about the next tournaments already, man. <laughs> Roger and Takao are third in the latest Emirates ATP doubles race to London standings and just behind them, the most accomplished doubles team of all time, Bob and Mike Bryan, who've been speaking to Matt Brown about where it all began. We just had a tennis family and started playing when we, I think we were two or three, uh, as soon as we could walk, played a tournament at age six and uh, been doing it ever since. So like I said, it was a tennis family. My mom played on the tour. My dad played number one for his college team. So it was just a, it was just a life, a lifestyle. We had fun every weekend going to tournaments with our friends, you know, playing miniature golf, going to pizza parties, but uh, always tennis was involved. And, um, you know, we went to Stanford together, um, played there for two years, and then been on the tour now for 20 years. So The game of doubles in all this, in 20 years, has changed a lot. Yes, at ATP level, we've got a different scoring system now. But in terms of the depth of players coming through, a lot more singles players are playing doubles. It, yeah. It's that much more competitive, isn't it, than, say, than when you started, do you think? Oh, I don't know if I would say more competitive. It's, it's definitely just changed. It's the game, you know, you see a lot more players stay on the baseline. Uh, you know, less doubles traditional players have, have jobs with um, the ranking changes and the way that uh, the draws are made up. You know, singles players can now enter on, based on their singles ranking. So, you know, it eliminated half of the doubles guys, and um, now you have this contrast in styles. Guys stay on the baseline ripping ground strokes against really the only best doubles players have survived, the double specialists. So it's fun for the fans, but, you know, there's now eye formation, which wasn't um, really popular when we started, um, and the technology has uh, gotten pretty crazy, the power and, and the spin that these guys are putting on the ball with the, the strings, you know, the, the polyester strings. Um, so we've had to adjust. Um, we're, we're definitely a different team than we were in 03 when we finished our first year at number one. Um, what are the big adjust, adjustments, Mike, that, that you've sort of had to make in your game? Yeah, I mean, we've had to improve. I mean, these singles guys are ripping the cover off the ball, um, and they're all getting better at doubles. They're, they're all playing every week. Back in 03, we'd play singles guys that just jump in the tournament. They didn't know how to volley. You know, they were playing 10 feet off the net, 
and now everyone's really tight to the net. Um, we've had to yeah adjust our games. Guys, don't let me hit my backhand cross court, which is my strongest shot. They're they're picking that one off because they're so close to the net. So I've had to mix in a few lobs. We've had to throw the I formation in a little bit. Uh, scattering reports are are huge. We have you know one of the best coaches in the world for scattering reports, and we're watching every match on tennis TV. So uh, we're, we're dissecting matches. We're we're in our hotel rooms watching guys, seeing their tendencies, and uh, coming in with extensive game plans. That's interesting. So a lot more analysis than maybe the early yeah. days. In the early days, you'd you'd rock up, see the draw. Oh, yeah, you're playing them, and you, you, you know yeah. you'd practice but go out. So yeah, I mean, like, look, every match on the tour now is um, is very tough. Um, we had, yeah, we had some years where we'd beat a lot of guys 0 and one, one and one. Seems like those days are over. Um, the margins are very thin. But yeah, and now players are watching on tennis TV. They've they've seen how we played in the last match. They know what we're favoring this week, and um, we're gonna have to change it up. And same thing with us. We we know everything about every opponent we play now with the technology and being able to just go back in our room and watch it on our phones. So we've seen players, and, and you're not you're not quite there yet. But I'm, I'm thinking of guys like uh, Leander Pays and, and Daniel Nestor. You know, these guys are still playing. It is a game though that you can play. I was going to say to, to, to normal retirement age, but certainly, you know, you can play a long, long time and you're clearly still loving it uh, after 20 years. Yeah, I mean, it, it's tough to, to shut it down when uh, you're having a good time and you're out traveling to great places. Daniel Nestor and Leander set the bar pretty high. You know, yeah. they're mid-40s when the bar was probably 35 was ancient back in the day. You know, Mark Woodford played until he was 35 and we were like, what's he doing still playing? But now with uh, everyone's taking care of their bodies, everyone's taking care of nutrition and and they they're just doing everything right stretching massage every day and so you can actually get a lot more out of your bodies these days i mean we're 39 and we're still feeling pretty good i mean we we have you know we have these guns we bring these massage guns and uh, i'm gunning bob's shoulder at night you know he's, he's he's helping me out and so i mean it's the technology too you you uh you find little things to to get more out of your body just looking at, uh, we, we've talked about the strength and how tough it is these days. Uh, you're fairly safe in, in, for London, and barring a you know, d- disaster, I suppose, you, you're going to be there at the O2, and, and that clearly motivates you each year to the Grand Slams and, and getting to the O2 arena for the, uh, the World Tour Finals. Yeah, I mean, that's an achievement to make top eight. Kubat and Melo have had an unbelievable year. Um, they have a good lead in the race. Um, there's a lot of good teams. It's up for grabs for London. Now, they've struggled to replicate the form that brought them to two Grand Slam titles in 2016, but Jamie Murray and his Brazilian partner Bruno Suarez are still on course for a place in London. And at a recent coaching clinic, Seb Lozier asked the Scot to share some of his top doubles tips, starting with the serve. It depends also what your favourite serve is. You know, if your favourite serve is kind of serving out wide, then maybe you... You want to serve a bit wider to get to get angle. If your favourite serve is serving down the tee, then maybe you want to serve more to the middle because you can hit a straighter, a straighter, straighter ball. Um, but I think it's kind of, I think it's kind of personal preference, really. And um, when your partner's serving and you're up at the net, um, for the benefit of the listeners who you probably do this quite a lot, uh, you know themselves. What are you looking to do when you're at the net and your partner's serving? What What are your movements? What are you looking for? Um, well, it depends. I mean, my, you know, I like to have my outside foot in the middle of the service box as a starting point. Um, at the sound of the serve, uh, I like to move forward, take a step forward to be closer to the net to kind of give uh, less um, space for the returner to hit into. Um, you know, try to kind of 
put good pressure on the returner, tried to force them to go for something a bit uh, more than they they would normally, and tried to force them. Because a lot of doubles is like that. It's not necessarily about you know hitting you know winners. It's more about kind of you know pressure forcing your opponent to to miss. I think. In, in doubles, I would say most matches are probably won and lost on second serve points won. Um, I think most guys with the first serve goes in are probably around like 75-80% success, but in the second serve it can it can vary a lot, and that's where um, you know that's where you can win. And you know a lot of guys say you're only as good as your as your second serve. You know, and obviously second serve you're probably going to have to do more first volleys because chances are the ball will will come back. So you know, first volley is super important, I would say. Um, getting your plays right as, as well. Again, it's all about you know variation, trying to um, again force force guys into making shots they they don't want, they don't want to play. That's what that's what it's all about. And you know if you can keep your unforced errors low and make your opponent have, you know have a high error count, then that's going to be in your favour. When you're returning serve, um, what are you looking to do with the ball? Again, like it depends because sometimes, like you know, if you're playing, if I'm playing kind of singles guys who don't feel comfortable at the net, often like we'll try to return at them down the line uh, off the serve, especially on second serve. Um, a lot of the singles guys they're better when they're moving because they're not used to being static on the court. Um, so when the ball's coming at them from a static position, they're they're not always so so good at that. Uh, I think for me, like in my game particularly, like I have a lot of variation in my play. Like I I use my lob return a lot to to bump it over the net guy's head, and then I can come into the net after that. Do like to return down the line as well. My forehand, I I block a lot, so um, you know I try to hold it as much as I can, and then play play the right side. Um, to avoid the avoid the net guy, um, yeah, that's my, that's my answer. Just finally, um, in terms of coaching and training, rather for, for doubles, are there specific drills that you need to do? Parts of the body that you need to hone specifically for the doubles? Um, well, I think doubles more explosive movements. Um, you know, a lot of you know serve and then run faster than net. Then there's a lot of lunging. You got to get back for the smash, hit the smash, then react quickly to get back into to net to, to your position um, so there's a lot of like in the gym especially we see more sort of like power movement supply metrics things like that um, in terms of like exercises on the court I mean I practice my reflexes a lot um, basically simple stuff just you know I, I'm standing close to the net good athletic position and then I'm having my coach like feeding balls fast from the from the baseline and then just reacting to that judging the ball as well because you know, often like you're when you're close to the net, it's not as easy to kind of judge if the ball's going out or not. Um, and of course, if you're, you know, if you're adept at leaving balls that are going out, you know, that's your point without having to touch the ball. So that's uh, that's a big uh, a big plus as well. Yeah. And just finally on this, for young players out there, um, what do you think young players can get from playing doubles? Well, I think it helps develop your all-round game. I mean, you see now on the tour, I mean, no one really likes to come to the net anymore. Um, you know, guys don't feel confident up there at all. Um, and I think playing a lot of doubles will will help your, your skills around the net, um, whether that's, you know, like first volleying or reflexes or... You know what, whatever. I think um, it's just more skills in your your locker that you can use to against your opponent, which at the end of the day is what it's uh, is what it's about.
Another big difference between the doubles and singles games has been the change of rules on the ATP World Tour doubles scene. And according to legendary doubles player Mark Knowles and the Croatian Ivan Dodig, who currently sits in eighth place in the standings with his partner Marcel Granois, the changes have generally been well received. Yeah, it's a terrific game. You know, obviously the initiatives were that were adopted a few years back was based around the fact of getting a few more singles players involved with a shortened scoring and the third set match tiebreak. And, you know, I think it's worked. We've, we've seen some great players um, from the single side, like Feliciano Lopez, kind of dedicate themselves to the double scene as well. Uh, Lucas Kubat, who'd won Wimbledon, was also a very good singles player. So we're seeing a lot of guys, not only on the doubles front, but also from the singles front and really kind of combining that skill set and, and creating some great combinations. And uh, I know we've had various number of different champions over the last, I don't know, three or four years in the Grand Slams. And I, I think that speaks for the depth in men's doubles right now. Matches are normally much uh, shorter. You can see many matches finishing in one hour 15, one hour 20, which is which is also good. I think uh, many singles guys are using this opportunity for to practice. And, uh, and obviously it's... Uh, the system it's uh, bringing a lot of uh, excitement in the in the matches and uh, many guys love that and uh, it's uh, you can see many matches are very very tight and uh, finishing in this super tiebreak which is uh, always also entertaining for the crowd one prominent singles player who regularly plays doubles is world number 4 alexander zverev who's teamed up with his brother misha i think the practice sessions the way we practice the intensity i think you know, between two brothers, we don't want to lose to each other in practice, so I think that's something very special. He's ranked higher, but Alex still looks up to Misha on court, and his brother has one particular shot he wishes he could borrow. His volleys. I think, you know, someone like my brother is going to be always more natural on grass than on play. Grass is different to me, it's different. It's almost a different game because you use different shots, and uh, when I do play well on grass, it's a lot of fun, and because uh, I feel like my game is a little unique. As if they don't see enough of each other, Misha and Alex are doubles partners. And it could be a lethal combination. Especially playing with my brother and it's just a lot of fun. So every day we get to be on court together and especially if we you know, win a few matches here and there in doubles, it's always so much fun. He looks very patient on court. Um, is very unpatient when we start playing games or competing with each other. Can't deal with sports like golf or something like this where you have to stay calm. He always tries to go nuts. And finally, if the brothers faced each other on Misha's favoured grass surface, how would the match play out? I don't know and I hope we will not get to know that until the Wimbledon final or something like that. Another big fan of singles players getting involved in doubles is Rohan Bapana, who we spoke to along with his former partner Asim Ulhaq Qureshi. It's a great thing and uh, as a doubles player now I really feel like it has raised the standard of the doubles and the doubles specialists as well. I think uh, I've never seen in at least 10 years ago when I was still playing singles, uh, doubles players taking so care of their diets, taking so care of their physical conditioning. Uh, you see more doubles guys in the gym now than the singles guys and 10 years ago you didn't see that. And I think uh, the players have realized in order to be a good doubles player first you have to be a good tennis player. Just being a doubles specialist is not going to get you anywhere and uh, that's why you see so many singles guys playing and uh, getting good results also. So that just shows the depth I think in the game. I think it's very good for the game also and for the fans. And for us doubles guys also it makes us uh, work harder and improve more on our skills and physically as well. How would you assess your season? Go from the start of the year to now, uh, you've had a couple of titles? 
Yeah, I've been uh, very lucky. I've won five titles this year with five different partners. Uh, I have a little bit different mindset I'm approaching this year. And I started the year around 58, 59, and I got to 21 this year. So, yeah, slowly and steadily getting back on top. I always believed uh, that I belong in the top 10 and the top 5, which I've been before. And uh, last two years, I had a little bit of problem with my injuries and couldn't find the right partners. But then I was like, okay, to hell with the partners. I'm just going to try to make the most <laughs> with everybody and just be patient and do my thing. And so far, it's been working well. And, yeah. Five titles, five different partners. Now, come on, explain that. What, what, is, it, what is the dynamic at play here? Just got to stay patient. And uh, it, uh, I've been listening to a lot of uh, motivational videos and stuff uh, last year and this year as well. And uh, Bruce Lee is one of my favorite icons. And there's one saying, uh, he said that uh, be water. All human beings should be like water because water transforms itself to any shape and form it gets into. So I'm just taking it as a player, whoever player I play with, I'm just going to try to make the most of it and try to gel with them. And however they are on the court or off the court and uh, don't worry about them too much. And I think that's been working very well so far. And, yeah. so, so are these guys queuing up to play with you now because they know that if they play with you, you're going to win a title? I'm not going to name the guys, but uh, yeah, I think uh, the one sad part about tennis is uh, no matter if you're good or bad, I think uh, the ranking talks. If you're not high enough, players are not going to get to play with you. But uh, I think I'm putting myself in a position uh, where the players who refused to play with me last year or the year before, now they are coming up to me and they're asking me to play again. So just have to do that and uh, just got to keep working hard and uh, self-belief is very important. And uh, yeah, so far it's been a great year and hopefully I can uh, get some more titles this year again. You know, you are out there training full time. Uh, of course, you do have a partner while playing the match, but otherwise, you're, you know, whether you're training uh, uh, in the gym or training uh, at practice, you're, you're putting in the hours, irrespective. I think, uh, uh, you know, of course, the drills which you practice are different. And uh, I, tennis... Uh, it does look glamorous from the outside, but it can get lonely sometimes, especially till you get uh, you know, to the top level. Uh, you know, you're traveling constantly, living out of a suitcase. I think eating every meal in a restaurant, uh, you know, it, it's not easy. I mean, uh, you know, of course, when you play at the highest level, uh, you know, you're, you're playing at great cities. You're playing at, uh, you know, in front of big crowds, which always is nice. But... Uh, you know, the irrespective of whether you're playing singles or doubles, to get to that uh, highest level, I think it's the same amount of hard work, same amount of commitment from whether it's the family, friends, the coaches, everybody out there are, uh, you know, making sure you do the right stuff, eating the right kind of food, and uh, trying to improve every single day. And I think uh, on that aspect, I don't think there is any really difference between a singles and a doubles player. And the difference only is that uh, the, uh, the ATP rules, which is there right now, uh, helps uh, uh, you as a singles player use your uh, ranking to play the doubles uh, double circuit. So I think everybody out there is, uh, you know, a singles and a doubles player. I mean, especially a doubles player. Uh, I know there are a few people, majority like myself, who only play doubles. Uh, but even uh, a lot of singles guys, uh, you know, do play doubles to uh, constantly improve the game or to, uh, you know, to uh, you know compete at this high high level. And uh, I think as uh, uh, for us doubles players, also it's nice to play against these top players. And uh, you know, there's a lot of people who come out and watch, which makes a big difference. And sitting just outside the top eight qualifying places is a team that nearly went all the way in London last year. Raven Klassen and Rajiv Ram approving their run to the championship match at the 2016 ATP Finals was no fluke. 
with two titles in 2017. The team is reaping the rewards after renewing their partnership for a second straight year. We get along, we, we haven't really had any hiccups along the way and uh, we like the same kind of food. We're generally, <laughs> generally easy going to, to, uh, uh, about most things and uh, I think the, the biggest thing is also that, that the way we think about the game is similar. You know, we, we both players who are trying to maximize their, their potential all the time and, and that's sort of the, the number one reason. You're like the, the off-court stuff and the on-court stuff really works well, but like getting along with someone who, who has similar goals and aspirations is, is probably the, the driving force. For me, I think it's, like I said, it's just been that much more enjoyable. You know, tennis has never been about pressure. It's never been about, you know, anyone else's choice. It's been my choice. I do it because I enjoy it. And even after it became a job, it was still fun for me, which I feel like I'm incredibly lucky, lucky to say that. A lot of people go to work every day and, and don't enjoy what they do. And, and I'm thankfully not one of those people. Last year, Raj and I had a very successful year and, and we felt that even though things went really well, there were still areas where we could improve on. I think we just learned we need to improve our consistency, you know, week in and week out. So that was one of the big things we're trying to address this year is, is bringing a more consistent level. Billy Heiser started working with us uh, in Australia. The best weeks to have him around are the, are the, the training weeks or you know, weeks that we want to put in some work to hopefully prepare ourselves for the, for the really big events. I think one of the major um, attributes to having a coach around is sort of having someone to bounce ideas off. When you debrief after a match, it's always good to have sort of a third opinion on, on how things went down. And, and, and that's my biggest uh, sort of, I think the biggest advantage of having a coach is that when you, when you are going sort of through a peak, it, it's, it's not as low or low as when you buy yourself. You know, it, it, the turnaround becomes quick and, and I think that's the value of having a coach on tour. We have kind of our roadmap to what we need to do to make them, you know, as successful as possible and we're going to try and stick to that and whatever happens at the end of the year kind of happens. At 34 and 33 respectively, Klassen and Ram are playing some of the best tennis of their careers. The duo's late blooming may be down to the fact that neither had professional tennis aspirations when they were growing up. My body didn't develop big enough for me to be a rugby player, so that was sort of a given. So at about 15, I decided to drop everything else and, and give tennis a proper go, but it, it took a very long time for it to actually materialize into a career. It wasn't something I thought of was going to be a career until later on. I mean, I didn't go to an academy. I played with my dad. I was more of just a, something I did after school. I, I did it quite well, even as a junior, but I never really took it as seriously as some of the kids right now. You know, I only started really thinking about it being a career at about 16, 17 years old, and then I went to college in order to further my tennis. and. Uh, before that, it was something I did for fun. I think that's a big reason I'm still out here enjoying it today is that it's always been a source of enjoyment for me. And they're not the only team clearly enjoying life on tour. It's time for another doubles quiz with Feliciano and Mark Lopez. No relation. Okay, gents, so very best of luck. The answers will relate to any of the doubles players here this week, which includes yourselves. And Feliciano, I have to tell you that your name has come up as one of the answers many times. I know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's start with this one. Who spends longest in the showers? Uh, he spends quite a lot. Huey, no? Huey? no? Probably Huey, yeah. But Maris also, he takes a lot when he showers. I'm the quickest. Between him and Huey. Huey, Huey. I think okay. Huey. Who is the tidiest in the locker room? <laughs> okay, I need to. Yeah. Um, okay, I'll give you an alternative to that one. Yeah. Who is the messiest in the locker room? Who's the messiest team messiest? in the locker room? Um, Brian's. 
Correct. <laughs> Los más desastrosos. Ah, ok. Yeah. Ok, this one. Mark, who puts the most effort into pre-match hairstyling? Translate, please. Traduction. ¿Quién dice pasa más tiempo arreglándose el pelo antes del partido? Feliciano López Díaz Guerra. From Toledo. That was when I had the long hair. Now I don't have anymore. Also, also, Nico, he spends a lot of time because he puts gel on the hair. Yeah, okay. But I think you still come out on time. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was, I was before. I have to admit. Still now, apparently, according to your partner. We can discuss. No. Not today. Hello, I'm Marcelo Mello, and here we are with the Emirates ATP doubles race to London rankings. Kubot and Mello are top, ahead of Finnish-Australian pairing Continental and Piers in second. Both these teams have qualified for the NITO ATP finals. More than a thousand points behind, leading the chasing pack, it's the newly crowned US Open champions Roger and Takao, with the Bryan brothers fourth. French pair Herbert and Mahou are fifth. In sixth, it's Murray and Suarez, with Harrison and Venus in seventh. They're ahead of Dodig and Granolas, who are in eighth place. So the race continues, and with six places still up for grabs, keep in touch with all the twists and turns on the ATP Tennis Radio channel on TuneIn, where we'll bring you commentary from the final of the 500 series events and ball-by-ball coverage of the Shanghai Rolex Masters beginning the 9th of October. And that's followed by commentary from the Rolex Paris Masters next-gen ATP finals and then the season-ending NITO ATP finals at London's O2 Arena. This is ATP Tennis Radio. If you like this podcast, please visit the iTunes store and search ATP Tennis Radio to leave a review. The future of tennis is now. The rulebook rewritten. Eight new stars are emerging to carve up the court. What's a strike? Their game is fierce with attitude, hungry to take the spotlight. The court is ablaze with music and lights. It's like nothing you've seen before. The game has changed. Next Gen ATP Finals. Get your tickets now at nextgenatpfinals.com.